Hey family, do you want God's help today? Maybe, maybe you, do you want a miracle today? Do you want uh, healing today? Do you want God to speak to you? Uh, guidance, uh, direction in your life. We want that for you too. And we want that for you even right now during this time. And so I'm going to start this time with a blessing that, that whatever else happens that you would receive from God, that which you desperately are seeking of him during this time. And so I bless you now in the name of Jesus, in the incredible, powerful name of Jesus, that you would be uh, filled with the wow and the wonder of, of who Jesus is today. I bless you in the name of Jesus that you would be healed in your body, in your mind, in your emotions, in your spirit. I bless you to know the guidance and the help of God in your life. That you would flourish and prevail in whatever your challenges uh, you're facing. And, and I, I bless you to know the love and the peace and the hope and the joy of God that is very real in your, in your heart and in your, in your life. May that be true for you now. May that be true for you during this time and continuing. In Jesus of Nazareth's name we pray. May it be. Amen. Amen. Okay. Welcome back to our study here about the Bible land and biblical faith. Each week we're looking at a different area of the promised land and we want to find out what it looks like, how it functions, maybe some Bible events, always some Bible events connected to that particular region. And then we talk about a very practical faith lesson, a very practical thing that we can learn about what following God well looks like in each particular reason. Today, we are going to be looking at the Rift Valley and the wilderness of Judah. So here's, here's some maps here of what we're talking about. As you can see, the Rift Valley goes, you know, I kind of have it here going from the Sea of Galilee down through past the, the Dead Sea. Truthfully, it goes way up north past um, Israel even in, into modern day Lebanon. It goes all the way down to the Red Sea, uh, Gulf of Aqaba, and, and, and beyond. So it's, it's, it's this massive uh, rift. And then the wilderness is, is just on the high ridge up from the Rift Valley, um, the part that doesn't get very good rainfall. In fact, it gets awful rainfall um, just between, as you can see on the other map, between the hill country of Judah, which we talked about and saw pictures of. It's green. It's, lush, it's, got, uh, it's got lots of safety and security and vineyards and all that kind of stuff. And then we're talking about the wilderness, which is um, right past the rain line. It is literally, you can see a line. Rain for growing stuff, no more rain. And very, very little rain. It's, it's a, pretty much a worthless land. Unless you're a shepherd, you can, you can um, have some... Uh, you know, some, some grass out there for your animals. But, but again, not very much. We'll see pictures of that in a little bit. Um, we're going to talk through this area. We're going to see pictures of this area from north to south primarily. We're going to primarily start in the Rift Valley and then talk about the wilderness area. Um, here's a picture of the north. Uh, the north Rift Valley now, it is more green up north. And maybe you saw that on the map earlier. It's more green at the very top. Um, the Jordan River is there in that picture. It is very small. It's in the foreground. It kind of snakes through that darker bit in, uh, in kind of just below the halfway mark there. Um, so, so there's, there's that. Um, the next, this map here, uh, uh, this is Adam. 
Also, the Jordan River is in the foreground here. You can see on the map there where, uh, where the town of Adam is. Uh, it's mentioned, this is mentioned in the book of Joshua as the place where when Joshua and the Israelites down south from here, closer to the Dead Sea, when they were going to cross the Jordan River, it says that at, it's at Adam that the water stopped flowing and it piled up into a heap. We know actually how God did this miracle because every seven to nine hundred years at Adam, this place that you're looking at here, um, the, the banks of the river and the cliffs there, just, they completely collapse. And they, they, it's just a unique thing about this place. They can completely collapse. They completely block the river. And it takes a while for the water to fight its way through and, and start flowing uh, again. Um, so, yeah, every seven to 900 years, this is a miracle of, of timing and probably a little bit of a, a light elbow from God. And, and, and that kind of brought this all so that when the priests were carrying the Ark of, of the Covenant and they were got to the river as commanded by God and they put their foot in it, the river stopped flowing. Uh, it's just an amazing uh, miracle moment, and God's people were encouraged, and they, they passed through on, on dry ground. So that takes place here at Adam. Moving further south, uh, kind of across uh, the first place that Joshua, they have this battle here. It's at a place called Jericho. You can see on the map there, we're, we're down in the, very far down in the Rift Valley here. God's people had just walked through the Red Sea. They had um, spent time at Gilgal. That was fun. You can read the story. And now, and now we're here at Jericho. Um, the, the, the dirt hill in front of you is the Old Testament hill, tell, the hill uh, of Jericho. That's the one where the people would walk around it uh, once a day and then, then uh, seven times on the, on the last day. It's not that big, as you can see based on kind of the other stuff in the picture, but, but that's where, where Jericho uh, was in the Old Testament. You can see that there's some trees there in the background. At this far, okay, the, the map shows you the rainfall, right? So we are in, we are in a very low rainfall area on, on the map. Very low, very wildernessy. In fact, um, the Bible also refers to this area in the Rift Valley as wilderness. But uh, you can see there's date palms and there's, there's green here. And that's because Jericho was unique in this area. It had springs. It had lots of water, lots of spring water. And so they could, they could actually grow stuff here. Um, the, the, the northern areas that were growing stuff, that's supplemented by modern... Um, I don't know, what's that called? Irrigation. Uh, so th th there's a lot that, that can be grown now in the valley, much more than back then. But, but this area did have a lot of water, and it was known as a special oasis. So that's, that's Joshua. He comes here and, and has that, that uh, victory here. Uh, but there's two Jerichos. There's Old Testament Jericho. And there's New Testament Jericho. I like this map here, or picture, this picture. Um, I, I laugh at it a little bit. Uh, Old Testament Jericho, on this map is called Tell Jericho, and it's on the left. Tell Jericho, I've never heard it called that before. I think that's for Western idiots like us. Uh, it, it actually is called uh, Tell Es Sultan, and, and that's, that's on the left there, but Tell Jericho. Uh, and the New Testament Jericho is on the right here, and it's, you see where Herod's palace is labeled, that area? That's part of where New Testament Jericho is. On the, in, the, in the background, in the distance, and it is quite a ways. I think, I mean, it moves exactly, the river moves um, throughout the years. But I think it's about 11 miles away at the moment. I, ca I can't remember exactly how far it away is, is but it's quite a, in the distance, the, the Jordan River there. 
And um, so you got New Old Testament Jericho, New Testament Jericho, New Testament Jericho by Herod's palace. That's where you see all the Jesus moments with, um, uh, what was the guy's name? Zacchaeus climbing a sycamore tree and healing of a blind man. What do you want me to do for you? I want to see. Like they have these, these, ama- these stories in Jericho in Jesus' day that's taking place more, on, uh, more in this area. At the very edge of the map, it, you can't read it because it's slightly cut off. It says at the very right of the map, Ascent of Adumim. That is the road to Jerusalem. Coming, uh, that's the road Jesus would travel on. He tells the story of the Good Samaritan uh, that taking place on that road. But that goes up to, that's the path from Jericho where all the pilgrims would go from Jericho all the way up to uh, Jerusalem. Uh, now, I'm going to talk more about Jesus in a little bit. He's kind of a big deal uh, in, the, in this area. But before I talk about Jesus, I want to talk about his, his ancestor a thousand years earlier, the very famous King David. Because King David spends time in the Rift Valley here and in the wilderness. Both he and Jesus do. And so I want to talk about, um, about David first because he spends some time along the shores of the Dead Sea. And, you know, we got to have our obligatory Dead Sea shot. I think everybody in the world has seen the Dead Sea uh, in pictures form, but it's going down about a meter about a meter a year, which is a lot. They're considering refilling it by building a lock system to drain water in, because it's way below sea level, right? It's the, it's the lowest place on the planet above water. Um, and, and so they want to p- make a lock system potentially from the Red Sea and kind of refill it a, a bit. As you could imagine, as everything is in this part of the world, it's politically uh, political minefield, right? So <laughs> we have no idea what's going to happen there. But um, Dead Sea... Okay, that I would be I would be remiss if we didn't at least have some obligatory shots. But along the Dead Sea, David spends time down a little bit about halfway down, and so uh, again about 1000 BC, David David's on the run is probably more like yeah, like t- ten. Yeah, 15, BC, uh, 15 BC or 20 BC or something like that. Um, David's on the run from King Saul who's trying to kill him, and he's hiding in caves down there with, with his men. Uh, there is uh, a map. Is there a picture of caves? Do we have a caves picture? Uh, no, back, back, back. Before that, is there caves? Yes, there we go, caves picture. So you can see the map there where, um, where, where this is taking place about halfway down the Dead Sea, and David is living there in caves with, with his men. You can see the caves there. Uh, this is the area. We don't know which one David specifically lived in, but this is kind of David's life for a big chunk of time, hiding, hiding in, in caves right here in a place called En Gedi. En Gedi. Um, the picture zooming back out, we're kind of an aerial shot of the area. You can see the, the shore of the Dead Sea. It says Nahal David, uh, and that's that bit to the, the, the kind of the, the bit that cut, carves into the right, on the right side of this picture. That's where En Gedi is. That's where uh, David is hiding and is staying with his men. You can see the wilderness plateau up above. Saul is looking for him and hunting for him and, and, and trying to track him down. Um, but, but that's where David's living. Uh, a quick note about David in this part here, kind of living between the Rift Valley and the wilderness. I want to remind you that David is following God. 
This is not the same lesson that we were talking about before when we were looking at the Negev, a place of judgment and rebellion. This is not that wilderness. This is not that place. David is following God. He's following God well. And, and yet God has, has him out in the wilderness here uh, to, for safety, to, to protect him. Um, he, he does, he's following God, and, and part of following God for him is living in caves for a while. And this is all before the time comes when God is going to lead him out of a wilderness season and to become king. But sometimes we look at our lives, and if it seems like a, a hard season, like, like David here, there, there's some things that we need to know about, about hard seasons, and that, that God still sees us. In these seasons, God is still leading us, and God is able to bring David to this, um, even in the wilderness, a place where he is going to be able to be taken care of, uh, and a place where, the, where there's water, while he waits for God to fulfill his promises to him. Um, there's water here in En Gedi, lots of water. It's, it's got this waterfall and, and, and you know, plenty of water, a beautiful little hidden place for David to uh, hide away while Saul is hunting him down and trying to, to take his life. Uh, it, it's, uh, it just makes me think of Jesus, our good shepherd, who can lead us in the wilderness, and shepherds were in the wilderness, who can lead us in the wilderness, and he can provide for us. He can lead us to places where we can rest, where, where our souls can be restored, even though it's all dry all around us, and it looks pretty hopeless as we look around. God can lead us to, um, to places like this whilst we wait for God to fulfill his promises to us. Speaking of David and him growing up, in, as a, he grows up as a shepherd boy in Bethlehem, which is right on the rain line. There's fields in, in Bethlehem where you get the story of Boaz and Ruth and all that sort of stuff. And then there's shepherds uh, who are out in the dry area. David spends most of his time in the wilderness growing up with the sheep and with the goats. Uh, I'm, I'm thankful here. Courtney has given us two pictures separating the sheep from the goats. That's very Bible of you. Uh, but we, we've, got, we've got a picture of sheep and goats out here in the wilderness. Um, notice it's not very green. This is where the shepherds were. And I think on the picture on the left, I can kind of see a few dots in the background. That's the food. That, like that's kind of the... That's the grass. That's the, the stuff that the um, sheep can eat, and, and it, but it's dry. It's a very rough, uh, rugged land. David lives out here growing up a lot. In, in fact, it's out here, when he's out here with the sheep, um, he, he, in this hard land, in this, in this wilderness land, this is where he is one day when he's probably experiencing major disappointment and FOMO, a fear of missing out. Because all of his brothers... All of his family, his dad and everybody, has gathered together for a great celebration in Bethlehem. And this is where David is, tending sheep. And they, they don't even tell the great prophet Samuel, who is coming to this celebration, that they even have a brother out there tending sheep. And, and, and Samuel has to go through the meeting, all of the sons, and it seems like there's several of them here, and, and tell he's like, isn't there any other ones? Um, you know, like, like he, he doesn't get told, oh yeah, and there's another just, just out there until he, until he has this kind of prophetic moment where God's like, no, they're, they're, none of these are the one that I'm here to show you. And so, so David's out there kind of, kind of 
pushed out by his family. He's missing out, and he's in this awful, hard place. And yet it's on this day that God sees David out there, and God makes sure that Samuel knows that there is a David out there, and on this day, God is able to bring David from the wilderness front and center to the nation, an anointed king. And he gets anointed, not crowned king, but he has, he's anointed king. And it's just, it's just so important for us to know that we can be in wilderness seasons and they can last all of our, all, year after year after year. They can last for a long, long period of time. We can feel like we're missing out on everything. But God, can, God still sees you in those seasons. And in a moment, he's able to bring you out, just like David, out of a wilderness moment and into your future. It's what he does with David when, when he's out there in, in the wilderness. You never know what tomorrow might bring. You don't even know what this afternoon could bring. It's amazing what God can do uh, when, when life just seems to stretch on and on and on, yet in a moment, everything can change. That's, that's, that's free. That's for fun. Hope. Everybody loves hope. Uh, let, let's look at this, this next picture here. Uh, we've talked about David for a bit. Let's go back to Jesus, who is my favorite character in all the Bible. And um, if not yours, you should reread the book. <laughs> he's kind of a, he's kind of a, a, a big deal. So uh, we got Jesus here. And this is the traditional location site where John the Baptist baptizes Jesus. You can see where it is on the map. You can see kind of what it's like here. Now, I don't want to skip over John the Baptist because he also gets led by God into the wilderness for a reason. John the Baptist, he is sent into the wilderness by God to be a voice. God sends him to the wilderness not for judgment, not, for, not because of rebellion, to be a voice. To be a voice to his generation, a voice calling out Return to Jesus. Be prepared to meet Jesus. God is coming. Jesus is coming. So get your life right. Repent. Turn to Jesus. Get your life right. Uh, if, if you, if you, that's one of the messages of wilderness seasons. Uh, there, there is a, a, there's voice out there. If, not, if you're not hearing it, I'm telling you right now. I'm John the baptizing you. I'm saying, uh, you know, get your life right. Return to Jesus. This is the time, this is the time, well, John the Baptist is out there uh, making, that, making that call in the wilderness here along the Jordan River. Let me just read it to you from Mark chapter 1. In Mark chapter 1, we, we, read, we read this, it says, The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, See, I am sending Malachi, my messenger, ahead of you. He will prepare your way, a voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make his paths straight. Who are you talking about? John. John came baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. If you feel like you're in the wilderness and you've wandered away from God, this is the way back. Repentance and receiving the forgiveness of sins, which are freely and fully available to you because of Jesus and what he's accomplished. So John is preaching, a, proclaiming a, a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. John wore 
a camel hair garment with a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. Um, he, clothing isn't that big of a deal. Like what you're wearing isn't quite that big of a deal unless it's awful and prophetic, which is what's going on here with, with, um, with John the Baptist. It's, he, this is exactly what Elijah the prophet wore, and so that's why it's being, it's being connected here. Anyway, so he proclaimed, verse 7, John proclaimed, one who is more powerful than I am is coming after me. He's telling people about Jesus is coming. And Jesus is a bigger deal than John. He says, I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie the strap of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, verse 9, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized in the Jordan by John. Again, so John has been sent into the wilderness. Now Jesus is going down into the wilderness here in the Rift Valley. And verse 10, as soon as he came up out of the water, Jesus came up out of the water, Jesus saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son. With you I am well, well pleased. Again, just in recap. So John, God sends John the Baptist from the beautiful and safe hill country of Judah. We've, we've seen that. It's green. It's safe. It's lush. There's vineyards and all that kind of stuff. John leaves that safe land to go to the hard land, to the wilderness. God sends him there. He sends him there to, to be his voice and to point people to Jesus. Then God sends Jesus to the wilderness, to the, to, the, to the same place where John is. And he comes down to the Rift Valley for his, Jesus' time of transition from, from the life that he had been in into his new ministry era. But that starts by him going down in obedience and going down to John where he's going to be baptized. After he is baptized, we read this about Jesus, the next two verses. Immediately, the Spirit drove him into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and the angels were serving him. Okay, here's a picture of where Jesus goes. It's on the map. It's just straight inland from the, from the Jordan River where he was baptized. He goes in and he's in the wilderness here. This is the Wadi Kelt where, where he is. So it's, just, it's just awful. He is with the wild animals. He, it, is, it is dry. It is, it, it's, just, it's just a wilderness. Here, here's a few other pictures of this, this area, this Wadi here. I mean, it's just these ravines which are death traps, right? Like that's a flash flood death traps, one of the most common causes of death throughout the history of, of the land. It's in, it's in the valleys there. But, you know, it's just living in this, in this area just with the wild animals, no food, not, not eating. Being tempted in, because life is rough right now. Being tempted because it's uncomfortable. Being tempted because he's, you know, it's just a long ways from, from anybody. He's alone. Jesus is alone out here in the wilderness. Alone being tempted. This is what we read in Luke about Jesus' temptation out here in the wilderness. It says, then he left, then Jesus left the Jordan full of the Holy Spirit. 
This is not a, the wilderness is not being, it's not a rebellion place. This is where we are led, full of the Holy Spirit, led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted again by the devil. He ate nothing during those days. When they were over, he was hungry. And then there's going to talk, Luke talks all about the specific temptations, which we're skipping at this moment. And then it comes to the end, after him overcoming the temptations in Luke chapter 4. Then Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. He was led in by the Spirit, and then he returns in the power of the Spirit. News spread about him throughout the entire vicinity. He was teaching in their synagogues, being praised by everyone. He gets, his, he gets a voice after coming out of the wilderness season. John has a voice in the wilderness. Jesus gets his voice out. And, and you can note the, pro, the process because this is good for us to understand as people who are following God, a God who leads us into wilderness seasons. He is led into the wilderness by the Spirit for the purpose of being tempted by the devil. And because he stands strong, he's able to return with power. And, and teaching and having that voice and being praised. Our faith lesson for today has to do with hard seasons of life. The kind of seasons that God leads us into for good reasons. Not discipline seasons, not rebellion seasons like what we talked about in the Negev. This is God-led hard seasons when life is hard. And maybe you're in a, a season like that right now where you're looking around and it looks awful, it looks hard. Maybe you've been in one recently. Guys, God leads even the most godly people into wilderness seasons. Even though it's got me... You don't get more godly than John the Baptist or, or, or David or Jesus of Nazareth. Nazareth, Nazareth. Like, like, like he's, he, he is, he gets, you can't get more godly than that, right? I mean, John the Baptist, he, he leaves the safe and beautiful land to go down to the wilderness to be a voice. David is stuck in the wilderness for a while while he feels like everyone's forgotten him and he's, he's put on the, on, the, on the side while everybody else is celebrated, but he is seen in that wilderness and he's going to be anointed king. David hides from danger in the wilderness while, God, while he's waiting for God to fulfill his promises to him in his life. Jesus is led by the Spirit to be tempted and when he passes the test, returns in the power of the Spirit for ministry. Why... Here's my question. Why might God be leading you into a wilderness season? Why might he have led you into a wilderness season? Why might God have led you into a hard season of life? Maybe to protect you. That's a possibility. Maybe God has led you into a wilderness season to protect you. Maybe to protect you from harm, from danger. Maybe you're being protected like David was from King Saul. It doesn't seem wonderful. It's not like the most wonderful part of your life. And, and maybe it's extremely uncomfortable in a lot of ways. But, but he's led you there because to, to protect you. Maybe you're on the run. Maybe you have fled a, a, an uncomfortable situation, an abusive situation. And your life is not what you hoped it would be. And it's, it's uncomfortable. But you are in this wilderness season. Season, not because of punishment, but because of protection. And God is protecting you. That's a possibility. Maybe why God might lead you into a wilderness season is to teach you. To teach you. To teach you that you can trust God even when everything seems dry and impossible and, 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 
and hard, in, in the hard times. You can trust him to watch over you when there's wild animals around. You can watch, he, you can trust him to keep you safe. You can trust him to provide for you. You can trust him to lead you to water when all you see is dirt. You can, you can, you can trust him to, to teach you that you can be trusted with your worries, with your fears, and with your anxieties. People who come out of wilderness seasons often have less fears and worries and anxieties because they've learned that they can trust God in some of those practical ways. I'm not saying they have none, but wilderness seasons reduce anxieties and worries in your next challenges. I love, I love that. Maybe God has led you into a wilderness season to give you a voice. To give you a voice. Uh, learning to follow God in hard seasons gives you a, vo gives you a voice. It gives you a, a testimony. You, you are tested in the wilderness, and then you're able to leave that testing period with a testimony. With, with a voice. And I, I mentioned this before, that, that John the Baptist was sent in the wilderness to be a voice to people in the wilderness. Turn to Jesus. Repent. Be, you know, let me point you to Jesus so that you can be saved. Get your life right. John is a, a voice in the wilderness. Jesus is tested in the wilderness and given a voice as he leaves the wilderness. Maybe some of you are given a voice in your wilderness season. It, it, you are, and, and, and you can take that. Some of you might be in a place of suffering so intently, like Jesus was tempted so intently and alone, that your voice is coming as you get out of this season. And God will use this season for you to have a voice to encourage, to, to a voice of hope, a voice of perseverance. It's worth it. It's worth it. Maybe, maybe God's bringing you through this season to have a voice. Or fourthly, maybe, maybe he's given you, put, puts you through a wilderness season to prepare you for what's next. And we see that with both David and, 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 and Jesus. God has them in the wilderness to be tempted, to, to persevere, to be tested, to suffer, to struggle, so that they will be prepared for what is next in their lives. For what God has after them. To be humbled in, in the uncomfortable of the wilderness so that they can be mighty and, and, and humble. If you're, in, if you're in a hard season, I don't know specifically why that's the case for you. But it is for a reason. It is for a reason. But it's only going to help you if you're trained by it. It's only going to help you if you are trained by it. I'm thinking of Hebrews chapter 12. In Hebrews chapter 12, we, we read, No discipline seems enjoyable at the time, but painful. Wilderness seasons can feel painful. Later on, however, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. To everyone? No. To those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your tired hands. And they are tired. Strengthen your tired hands and weakened knees. And, and it goes on. Now the context there is discipline, which is not our context. But it's also true for any hard season of life, any wilderness season. You only get the benefit of the season if you've been trained by it. If 
you endure and, and you, you persevere through it. If you don't give in to temptation in that weakened place, in that uncomfortable place, but instead you stand strong under trial and persevere. If you, if you endure and don't give in like David and like Jesus, you get to return in the power of the Holy Spirit for whatever God's next is for you. It is worth it to stand strong in those weekdays. Four notes, though, I want you to know about hard seasons. When life is hard, I want you to know God sees you. He saw David, who was all alone. He saw Jesus, who was all alone. And he sees you, and you might feel all alone. But you are seen. God sees you in your hard season. Secondly, when life is hard, you're often tempted most severely. And so be strong, friends. Be like Jesus. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. It will be so worth it as you return in the power of the Holy Spirit if you stay strong, if you stand strong. And maybe you look at this season of your life and it's been a hard season and you are at the worst you have ever been when it comes to sin. Or maybe the most practiced, um, however you want to define it. But you have been the furthest away from God, the most, the most um, quick into succumbing to temptation. And you look at your life and you're a complete mess right now. And maybe you're thinking, is there any hope for me? Because I have, you're like, I've run away from God and godliness and God's way in my hard season. I have, I have failed the test. Is there any hope for me? Yes. I believe right now, and the elders of the church believe right now, that there is a great line of grace and a great call right at this moment to return. Because this season is ending, and you can still gain the benefit of finishing strong. This is a time for prodigals to come running. This is a time for grace to be flow, flowing on, on, on all of us. If you are willing to say, okay... I am stepping forward. I, will, I am going to say I am sorry. I'm going to repent. I'm going to receive the forgiveness of Jesus and I'm going to step forward. Um, even at the end, even this final hour of, of a hard season, I'm going to step forward and I am going to start resisting the devil. I'm going to start saying no to sin and temptation. Maybe I was weak this morning. Maybe I was weak yesterday. But I am going to embrace this moment of grace and I am going to learn before this season fully ends, and I'm going to get benefit by returning to Jesus, even though this, so far it's not been good. There, there's a window for you right now to return. Another note, uh, when life is hard, that's when we decide whom we will really follow. Jesus is out there, he gets baptized by John. John's like, are you sure? He's like, yes, let's do this. This is how God wants it to be. Uh, this is a time to choose. Hard seasons are time to choose. Choose whom you're going to follow. Joshua uh, lays that out in his generation later. You, we choose, and I encourage you to choose to follow Jesus. Maybe return like a prodigal and, and choose to follow Jesus again, or maybe for the first time. This is the moment to choose these hard seasons. And fourthly, when life is hard, our character is formed tested and strengthened so that we're ready for God's future for us. I believe 
that many of you and, and us are in a hard season, and yet we're going to be coming out of that season. And the question I have is, have we been trained by it, or have we succumbed to it? Have we been trained by it? Are you ready to be a voice now? For those still in a hard season, or as you leave this hard season, are you ready to be a voice, have a testimony uh, of your testing season, a testimony of God's faithfulness to you, of God's provision for you? I I hope you're recording all these answered prayers that you've experienced of God's watching over you in your hard season of life, and so you're ready to have that voice of encouragement and hope for those who will be struggling in the future. Are you ready to have that voice now? Have you decided, I am going to follow Jesus in the good times and in the hard seasons? All of my life, no matter what, have you decided, have you chosen, I'm going to follow Jesus well? Are you ready to push back against the temptations that you're weakest to, which surface strongly in the seasons of of wilderness-type seasons? Are you ready to say, okay, maybe I've had a rough go, but I'm going to finish strong. I'm going to finish strongly here. Again, we believe that there is a moment of powerful grace right now over all of this church where whatever has happened, it's happened. Now step back into it. Return to Jesus and step forward. That's your invitation. Hard seasons, they're good. They get us ready for what God's next is for our lives. They might not be fun, but if we are trained by them, much better is coming. And if you're in a hard season, we encourage you to be strong, to hold on, to resist the devil and and let him flee from you, to keep going and just encourage you. It's going to be worth it. The fight is going to be worth it and God will lead you through. The challenges for today are these. Think about a hard season that you've lived through. Were you strengthened? How were you strengthened? Were, Were you given a voice? Did you use that voice? of encouragement having gotten through your last season. And secondly, recommit to following Jesus no matter the challenges and temptations in front of you. It's recommitment time. Let me lead us all in that. Go ahead and close your eyes for a moment here. And whether you've walked with Jesus well or poorly or never, I encourage you to, to just have one of those Jesus, once again, I choose you moments. And maybe your prayer looks something like this. Jesus, here I am. A bit of a mess. A bit of a disaster. uh, 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 Broken. uh, Thankful. um, Some good, some bad. This is just where I'm at. God, Jesus, here I am. Uh, Forgive me. Pour your mercy and grace all over my life. I, 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 I choose today you again. I choose to get back up again. I choose to try again. I choose to grab on to this era of mercy and grace. I choose to step back in to, to your ways. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. And put a right spirit within me. If you've not given your life to Jesus, you're, you're saying the same thing. Jesus, now I dedicate my life to, to following you, to following your ways. Lead me clearly. 
thank you for your forgiveness. I receive your forgiveness. Now you receive my commitment to you and your ways. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.